Welcome to TW Now, where we examine today's news in light of the Bible. I'm Scott Winnale. Is there a right or a wrong way to baptize? Under the New Covenant, is baptism even necessary? And if baptism is still necessary, why? Baptism is an ancient practice performed differently by different denominations of Christianity. Yet the Bible is very clear about how baptism is to be performed and why. Baptism is an action that one specific Christian denomination actually named itself after. It's even an action that is making headlines in the popular press. See this headline from the Miami Herald from just a couple weeks ago, where hundreds were baptized at an event in the Miami area. We may get that up for you on the screen a little bit later. What do you believe about water baptism? And why does your viewpoint and how does your viewpoint square with what the Bible actually teaches? Today, we'll plunge into the subject of baptism and review what the Bible has to say about it. And to help us do so, we have two returning TW Now guests. Mr. Kenneth Frank is here in the studio with us. He's a longtime minister and a pastor. He's also a theology professor, and he holds a Master's of Arts degree in Christian Studies from Grand Canyon University. And joining us via Skype from the London area is Mr. Peter Nathan. Mr. Nathan is a longtime minister and pastor as well. He's also been a theology professor, and he holds a Master's of Theological Studies degree from Southern Methodist University and a Master of Studies degree in Jewish-Christian Relations from the University of Cambridge. Mr. Nathan, it's good to have you with us again, sir. Glad you could make it tonight. Nice to be with you both. And Mr. Frank, thank you again for being here with us today. Welcome. Just for our audience, if you have any questions as we carry out our discussion today, please do feel free to message us, and we'll do our best to get to some of your questions as they relate to baptism. Also, we do invite you to subscribe to this YouTube channel, uh, like and share today's program as well, if you would. All right, gentlemen, uh, let me ask you a question to begin with, and Mr. Nathan, we'll start with you, but Mr. Frank, please do jump in as well. Can you briefly describe some of the different ways that those who call themselves Christian baptize today? What are some of the different ways baptism happens? If one were to follow the press, it would seem that the way of baptism is that practiced by the Church of England, especially in the United Kingdom, because what appears in the newspaper is the christening of children, especially of those of uh, royalty uh, or uh, notable individuals. And so the idea of, uh, of christening a baby by sprinkling it or pouring water on it is practiced by the Church of England here, together with the Catholic Church and a number of the other Orthodox faiths. So uh, a very common way today is that, we might say, of sprinkling or uh, pouring of water on in the process of christening a newborn baby. Okay. Mr. Frank? Yes, and there are other groups, uh, in particular some here in North America, who insist on baptism by immersion. Uh, for example, uh, though I didn't begin in America, but uh, are very prominent here in America, uh, Baptists, Pentecostals, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Adventists. And then uh, we have another option where uh, no baptism at all is required by certain churches. Uh, for example, Christian scientists, Unitarians, 
and Quakers. So it's quite a variety. <clears throat> so there, any, any other thoughts, Mr. Nathan, before I move on? Yes, uh, the Orthodox churches have not always followed the idea of christening or sprinkling. Uh, I'm reminded of being in one Byzantine church in the Levant in which uh, people practiced uh, trine baptism or trine immersion. People were immersed in water uh, three times for the three elements of the Trinity. So even within churches, this has varied from time to time. Uh, the Orthodox faith today would uh, opt for uh, sprinkling rather than immersion. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the Levant, the Holy Land area. That's right. Okay. Let me ask you another question. When we think about baptism, I think most people think about baptism and you bring to mind uh, Michelangelo and, and a dove landing on Jesus Christ's head as he's standing in the Jordan River. Or that may not have been Michelangelo, uh, but I think all of us have that image in mind. Baptism though, even in the Bible, doesn't it go back before the time of Jesus Christ? Mr. Nathan, what are your thoughts? Uh, very much so. We find we're introduced to John the Baptist preaching uh, baptism of repentance. And the whole, whole hordes of people were going out to John to be baptized. It tells us that people had an understanding of baptism and of the need for baptism before Jesus Christ came on the scene himself. Yes, ritual ablutions go well back into the Old Testament. Uh, the priests used that uh, cleansing of hands and feet and sometimes the entire body for ritual purity before performing holy service. Um, in the first century, Pharisaic Judaism practiced it to remove uh, ceremonial impurities. The Essene community in Jesus' time along the uh, Qumran community along the Dead Sea practiced it. And in first century Judaism, uh, proselyte baptism was common even before John the Baptist began to proclaim uh, baptism of repentance. As people would go into the temple, there were mikvahot, mikvah uh, ritual baths that could contain up to 60 gallons of water for a complete immersion. So this was not a new uh, practice when John the Baptist began preaching. It's, it's interesting if I can add to what Ken just said. The Apostle Paul used the crossing of the Red Sea as a sign of Israel having been baptized. And then Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3 talks about the Noatian flood as being a type or an antitype of baptism. So Judaism, the early church saw baptism dating right back literally to creation with the earth being covered with water, immersed in water, you might say as a means of purifying it uh, to uh, mm. uh, undertake God's creation. Mm -hmm. well, Mr. Frank, let's come to you for a minute and we'll, we'll move in another question. When we look at the scripture, and we've been talking about how baptism is scriptural. I think that's no news to our viewers uh, and, and our listeners. They're all familiar with that. What does the Bible have to say about how to do baptism? Is there a 
biblical form of baptism or or has the way God expects baptism to happen has that changed since Christ and the Apostle Paul came? No, uh, when you read the chapter 6 of Romans, um, the Apostle Paul makes it plain that Christians are buried with Christ. And the clearest picture to represent that would be total body immersion, not pouring or sprinkling, because it's to represent uh, dying and being buried. And so as a practical matter, you can be immersed by a minister to represent death and burial and then raised again quickly uh, as opposed to being buried literally. Uh, so it has a practical reason. But it again, it goes back to the ritual cleansing to wash away impurities. Paul was to rise, Paul, and be baptized and wash away your sins. Mm. So it represents something where the entire personality is cleansed inside and out. That concept of burial, you're talking about putting somebody under the water. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, when I've talked with people about burial, one of the things we talk about is how most of the time when we bury someone, we actually bury them. We don't, we don't leave them on the surface of the ground and then sprinkle them with a little bit of right. dirt. We actually put them under the earth. That's right. <clears throat> so a, a completeness is important. That's right. Mr. Nathan. Yes, well, obviously the Greek term that is used in the New Testament that we translate as baptism uh, comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse. Uh, you cannot uh, derive from it just the idea of sprinkling uh, of water upon a person. So it clearly is that of uh, the immersion of a person in water. And clearly we, we also have the fact that it is of uh, knowing adults, people who can understand what they're doing rather than a child. Mr. Nathan, let me come back to you for a second. You mentioned the Greek word baptizo. Uh, you're more of the uh, biblical languages expert amongst the three of us here. My guess is that there are other words in the Greek that refer to things like sprinkling and pouring, and God inspired the Bible not to use those words. Is that correct? Uh, that would be the case. Uh, so in other words, baptizo would not be used of, of sprinkling or just pouring water on a person. Uh, other words would be used for that, but they're not used in terms of the, the rite of baptism. I would add that we have the example of John the Baptist himself. In John 3, it says he was baptizing in the Jordan River because there was much water there. You need much water for total immersion. And then in Jesus' own baptism by John, it says Jesus came up immediately out of the water. Again, implying that it was a bodily immersion. Yeah, I, I would add as well to what uh, Mr. Franks was saying in Micah chapter 7 and verse uh, 20. It talks about sins being buried in the depths of the sea. Uh, so we're not talking about a trickle of water. We're talking about volumes of water as a means of uh, disposing of sin, of cleansing of sin. So the imagery used throughout the Bible of the cleansing of sin is of uh, considerable water. And uh, the comment there of uh, John baptizing in the Jordan because there was much water there uh, follows the biblical example. It just makes me wonder, and I, you could probably speculate, I'll invite you to. I think you've both seen the picture that I was sort of referring to 
where Christ is standing in the Jordan and John the Baptist is with them and the, the dove is descending from heaven and they're standing about, oh, knee high or so in the Jordan River and John has got water in his hand that he's sprinkling over Christ's head. Why do you think the picture was done that way? Standing in water up to your knee, but just sprinkling over the head. That, that doesn't seem to make sense in light of what you're talking about. Have you ever seen Michelangelo's David in the Academy in Florence? Yes. Do you notice something about him? He is uncircumcised. In other words, artists had no sense of what the Bible said in terms of an individual when they sculpted them, painted them, etc. They were simply following what the public understood uh, at that time, not what the Bible said. That's, that's helpful. Any other thoughts about the way baptism needs to be done? Any other scriptural uh, references there that you can think of or that we need to be aware of? I would add that sprinkling and pouring were uh, ceremonies that were used in the Old Testament, some Old Testament rituals. And people try to associate pouring with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. But again, we find that when Peter is preaching that sermon in Acts 2, and 3,000 are baptized, they were a long ways from the Jordan River, but there were a lot of ritual baths just outside the temple complex. Mm -hmm. And again, those contained a lot of water. Okay. If, coming back to the point Mr. Franks mentioned earlier of the priesthood, I think the missioner on the, uh, quoting about the high priest on the Day of Atonement, talked about him washing or bathing rather in water something like nine or ten times and then washing his feet and his hands separately on a num number of other occasions. So they were considered to be separate functions. Uh, hands needed to be washed before something was done. For the high priest, he also had to bathe his whole flesh in water to be pure for the functions he fulfilled. Okay. So I just want to welcome our audience, if you're just joining us, to TW Now. Today we're talking about the need for baptism by immersion. We've actually got a really interesting question here, gentlemen, and it's, it's a very practical question from one of our listeners. This person writes, uh, I live a long way from other believers. Can someone baptize themselves if they do not have contact with other believers? Would one of you like to uh, venture into answering that question? I would say that the examples that we have in our New Testament, the person baptizing was an authority figure among the believers. Um, Paul, I mean, Jesus baptized, but he did it through his apostles, we read in the Gospel of John. And Paul, as well, no doubt, had assistance to baptize. The most important thing was that they were baptizing those people in the name of Jesus Christ. But in order to receive the Holy Spirit, an associated doctrine with water baptism is the laying on of hands. And that needs to be conducted 
um, by a person who actually has that Holy Spirit for one thing and has the authority of Christ to convey that to a repentant person. Mm. Mr. Nathan, anything to add? Uh, I know of people who have had to wait many years for someone to come and baptize them. I think of a man in uh, Nigeria, in Abaden, who asked for baptism in about 1961. It was almost 10 years, 1971 or 72, before someone was able to get to him to baptize him. But he waited, and he certainly received God's Holy Spirit. So uh, I, I would say the answer for your person is, that is not a biblical, uh, no biblical example is given of that in Scripture. So would you have, either of you gentlemen, would you have any encouragement for people that are in this type of a situation, that it, it may be a while before baptism can happen? I would like, advise him to contact our church, Living Church of God, because we have ministers across the country who will be very glad to talk to him about baptism. Okay, and, and around the world. Around the world. Yeah, that's right. That's Tomor right. Tomorrowsworld.org. Uh, you can find some more information on the website there, and we'll refer to that again at the end of the program. And rest assured, the, uh, there's no 11-year wait these days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Mr. Nathan is one of those who travels all around the world frequently to, to reach people in far-flung places. Let's go to another related question. We've talked about the proper form of baptism, the one that Paul laid out, the one that Jesus Christ himself laid out. We've talked about how to do it, why. Why is baptism important today? We've, we've talked about why it's important to do it by immersion, because it, it represents uh, burying the old person. But why else is baptism important today? Mr. Nathan, any thoughts about that? I would certainly like to contribute to that. Uh, clearly, Mr. Franks talked about the Jewish proselytes who uh, were baptized so that they could become a member of the house uh, of Israel and uh, so on. In that case, it was for purification. The people also had to be circumcised, or the men had to be circumcised as well uh, as a sign of becoming part of the Old Covenant. We do find in the New Testament that baptism is a sign of the circumcision of the heart as well. And so we find in, in uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul makes a connection between baptism and the circumcision of the heart. Uh, now, of course, the idea of the circumcision of the heart was not some new thing. We can go back to the book of Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10, and we see how that Moses was inspired to write even to the children of Israel that they had to circumcise their heart. A very, very difficult thing for any human being to do by physical means. Right. But yet the, the Bible makes this connection between baptism and the burial of the self and the renewal of the becoming a new creation in Jesus Christ, of the, the change in the heart. Okay. Frank. Yes, one of the most preeminent reasons for baptism is that Jesus commanded it. And what is commonly called the Great Commission, he tells the apostles, Go ye therefore, this is in Matthew 28, 
and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to observe all things I have commanded you. And then Mark's version is even more specific. Mark 16, 16. He that believes, in other words, faith must precede baptism. It's, a, it's called believer's baptism for that reason. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. So it's a commanded uh, part of a change of life for a believer uh, who wants to associate with Christ and his church. Mm -hmm. You bring me to another question with, with your reference to Jesus Christ there commanding it. Some would say that the Apostle Paul modified or changed what Jesus Christ taught. Uh, it's sort of a, a doctrine of Paul trumping Jesus Christ, I think, sometimes. But in Acts chapter 10, there's a situation where Paul had an interaction with this Gentile believer, Cornelius. And Cornelius received, we were talking about the Holy Spirit just a few minutes ago, Cornelius received the Holy Spirit without baptism. So wouldn't that suggest that baptism now under Christ's grace is no longer necessary because we can receive the Holy Spirit without it? Mr. Nathan, you're chuckling there. <laughs> yes, uh, well, let, let's talk about the Apostle Peter firstly. Yes. Because, oh, Peter, uh, excuse me, excuse me. Who, yes. Easy to confuse. He was the one who dealt with Cornelius. It's interesting, the next verse after having recorded that they received the Holy Spirit, Peter commanded that they be baptized. And uh, as he told the people in Jerusalem in chapter 11, as recorded in chapter 11, you know, who was I to, to uh, deny them baptism when they had received the Holy Spirit? And of course, the whole congregation in Jerusalem was seemingly overcome with joy because God had granted to the Gentiles uh, forgiveness of sins. And so clearly they received the Holy Spirit firstly because Peter would never have done it without that sign in the first place. I think Peter makes his, his own prevarication there very clear. So God was pushing them to recognize the Gentiles. That's right. Hmm. That's right. Mr. Frank, it looks like you've got a comment that you'd like to make. Yes, I have along with me a, a book which I used uh, when I was earning my master's degree, uh, Theology for the Community of God by Stanley Grenz. And he makes this point in regard to this matter. The book of Acts indicates that the early Christians saw a clear link between the bestowal of the Spirit and water baptism. This close association arose insofar as the normal conversion experience entailed inward personal commitment expressed through the outward communal act of baptism. The assumed connection between water baptism and spirit baptism illumines what otherwise appears to be Peter's strange urgency to baptize Cornelius' household. The apostle's understanding of the close connection between the two dimensions of conversion motivated him to administer baptism immediately when he was convinced the spirit had fallen on the new believers. So it was a special case in regards to Cornelius and his family that the spirit came before baptism, but it was still commanded afterwards. And in a similar case, because that was opening up the door for the Gentile believers, but going back to Acts chapter 2, we have the Holy Spirit coming 
upon these many people associated uh, with Judaism at the time, listening to Peter preach, and Peter's involved with both of them. But again, he commands water baptism after the Spirit had come upon them. So those were special cases. The usual rule is faith before baptism, and of course, faith joined with repentance. Well, in that situation in Acts chapter 2, there were quite a few people baptized too. Yeah, right? about 3,000 people. It's a pretty significant event. It kept the 12 <laughs> apostles pretty busy for a few hours, I'd say. I would think so. Mr. Nathan, I, I think, go ahead. Yes, I think carrying on in the book of Acts from Cornelius' account in chapter 10 and 11, you get down to chapter 16 and you find uh, the apostle Paul on that occasion baptizing the household of Lydia in Philippi. And then after he is thrown in prison, and miraculously spared from the earthquake, he baptizes the uh, prisoner and his household that same night. So uh, very clearly the, the concept of baptizing people carries on throughout the book of Acts and throughout the early church. Mm. Mr. Frank, are you familiar with or aware of any other qualifications people might have or, or reasons why they might say that we don't need to be baptized uh, because of events that happened in the New Testament or, or misapplied scriptures in the New Testament. Yeah, one misapplied verse is this verse from Ephesians 2 and verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And so they emphasize that baptism is only a work that uh, would interfere with one's faith. But they don't go on to read verses 9 and 10 of that same chapter. Paul says, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we're not saved by our works. Uh, baptism is a symbolic act of a change of heart. Then he goes on in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There are works to follow in the Christian's life. And baptism, to represent one's faith and change of life, is certainly one of them that... Uh, God honors. Mr. Nathan, I, I have a question for you regarding a scripture, uh, but I've, I've heard this argument before too. 1 Corinthians 1.17, the Apostle Paul is writing here, and he makes the comment, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Jesus Christ should be made of no effect. What about that? Doesn't Paul say, God didn't send me to baptize? Christ didn't send me to do that? Well, of course, that comment comes after he's talking about the church boasting about who baptized them. And uh, some being baptized by, P uh, by Cephas or Peter, some by Apollos, etc. And as Paul said, he's very grateful that he only baptized a particular household in Corinth. Now, his particular function was to preach the gospel. You'll notice that Paul always had a retinue with him, such as Timothy, Titus, etc., who were involved in uh, the baptizing of people and taking care of it. Just as we find the gospels record that Jesus Christ didn't baptize, but his disciples did the baptism for him. So people have particular functions to undertake, Paul saw his primarily as being one to preach the gospel, not to be involved in the baptizing of people. That could be delegated uh, to Timothy, 
Titus, uh, Eutychus, and the various other people who were part of his uh, retinue. Okay. Gentlemen, do either of you have any other scriptural thoughts regarding baptism before we wind down here? I would add that the Apostle Paul, just to support Mr. Nathan's comment, the Apostle Paul was an apostle. His primary responsibility from Christ was to proclaim this gospel uh, to the world, and in particular to the Gentile world, which he did, and he did a lot of traveling. And he paid a heavy price as he would preach this message in synagogue after synagogue, and he was beaten up and stoned and shipwrecked many times. So his, his primary focus had to be proclaiming this truth. But he was training, as Mr. Nathan said, men like Titus and Timothy that could actually do those immersions and pastor those people once the Apostle Paul moved on. And so often that's the case, that a pastor who baptizes someone wants to continue to teach them, like Jesus said in the Great Commission thereafter. So it, it creates a closer link between those two. And so we have three epistles which are referred to as apostorals, which Paul wrote to Timothy and to Titus, instructing them on the role of the ministry and uh, so forth. So, you know, Paul, Paul certainly believed that these men should be involved in the baptism and the teaching of, the, of those who responded to his preaching. Okay. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your your comments today and walking us through God's expectations regarding baptism, some background of why baptism needs to happen. As we wind down now, what I'd like to do is ask you for a key takeaway. Mr. Frank, we'll start with you. Uh, a key takeaway that you would like our audience to leave with today or to remember today regarding this conversation about baptism and baptism by immersion. For the New Testament church, we go right back to Jesus himself, and we follow his example. And when Jesus was baptized, uh, John objected, thinking, no, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus said, no, go ahead and baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. So a person who wants to truly be converted and have Christ live in them and put on Christ as the way Paul represents it, then they would naturally want to follow their master's example. Okay. Mr. Nathan. I, I think what Mr. Franks just said was a very, very important point. Um, obviously, the Bible also lists examples where baptism was not possible, such as the feet on the cross, uh, which you might say is another subject altogether. But the norm for everybody is baptism. And, of course, you might say the early church, Paul, Peter, the other apostles, saw this stretching back, you might say, all the way to the very beginning of our Father's involvement with this physical creation. But he wants us to become a new creature. And baptism is a way, is a start for that new creation he seeks within us so that he can then give us of his Holy Spirit, so that we can be begotten in the family of God. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very, very important. What comes from baptism is something we can't necessarily discuss from today, but it is the most stupendous future that a human mind could ever conceive of. And that's, that's 
what is so important about baptism. Mr. Nathan, just really quickly, you mentioned in your comment that baptism is the beginning. So just to clarify, baptism isn't the be-all and the end-all? It's not, no. not the end of a, a commitment? No, because having been baptized, one then receives the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so you find in Acts chapter 2, repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And of course, the Holy Spirit enables the very character of the God family to be made within us as well, so that we can grow in knowledge and understanding. Okay. And I would just add verse 41 in the same context of that chapter that Mr. Nathan mentioned. Then they that gladly received his word, Peter's proclamation, were baptized. In other words, they believed this preacher. They were repenting. They showed faith in Christ, and therefore they were to be baptized that same day. Okay. Gentlemen, thank you. Mr. Frank, thanks for being here in the studio. You're welcome. Again, Mr. Nathan, thank you very much for joining us this evening, your time, from across the pond there. We're glad to have you. Delightful to be with you both, to see you. <laughs> it, is, it is good to see you as well. Whether to baptize and how to baptize are two ongoing points of contention between different denominations calling themselves Christian. The arguments are interesting, but the truth is in the Bible itself. If we are true to the Bible, we do see the clear importance of Christ's grace and the power of his shed blood to forgive. However, we also see Christ's own commands, as we've talked about today, to go to the world to preach the gospel and to baptize in his name. We see the Apostle Paul being baptized himself and also baptizing and endorsing the importance of baptism, even later on in his ministry. And we never see the Bible give any command to stop baptizing on account of Christ's grace. We must use the Bible as our source of doctrine and not our own opinion or the teachings of men. For greater insights into this topic, we do encourage you to read our insightful and our free article on Baptism, Ritual, or Requirement. And you can find that at tomorrowsworld.org. Just go to tomorrowsworld.org, type in the word baptism in the search line, and this is the second or third article that pops up. To examine more of today's news in light of the Bible, join us each week here now on TW Now. Next week, we do plan to answer a question that directly relates to your life, how would you find true happiness? We do invite you to please be sure to subscribe to our channel to like or share today's program as well. And we'll see you next week on TW Now.